Ron didn't think he'd ever been so angry in his entire life. He hit another tree with his stick and kicked at a large rock as he walked. He was wearing his summer shoes, and it hurt a bit when he did it, so he kicked it again, harder, and winced. He knew that there was nothing he could do. There was nothing he could say to persuade Hermione not to go to Cortona. He also knew that her reasons for going were good ones. It still hurt, however, that not two months after the defeat of Voldemort, two months that had been pretty much wonderful for them, she was already planning to leave him. Every ruddy time it starts working out, it all goes to hell again, he muttered, stumbling into the clearing by the lake and leaning against the trunk of a large tree on the perimeter. There had always been tension where he and Hermione were concerned, he thought, wondering briefly if it was really worth it. A fleeting image of her face in his mind, however, and he knew the answer. She meant everything to him, and always had, ever since he'd met her. Ron bent over and searched the soft ground for a smooth stone, and then, finding one to his liking, hurled it out into the lake, where it skipped three times before finally sinking into the water. That was about where he and Hermione had been standing the day before, standing, gripping onto each other for dear life. Ron had hardly been able to hold back from everything he wanted to try, but he had held back. She'd wanted him to, and he'd always been willing to do anything for her. He didn't even mind their silly rows. In fact, he started many of them on purpose. What had it been yesterday? Something to do with how they might rebuild the protective wards that had surrounded Hogwarts. Hermione had told him that it would require several months of precise arithmetic calculations and perhaps the employment of several math magicians to make sure that everything would work together, and Ron had said that it wasn't really necessary, now that Voldemort was gone, who needed protective wards. Hermione's eyebrows had shot up accordingly, and she had launched herself into a totally unnecessary history of magic lecture. Ron knew what the wards were there for, but he had let her rant along for a good ten minutes before finally silencing her with a kiss. She always looked so good when she was fighting him. But today was different. This was a real fight, and they hadn't had one of those since Ron had accused Crookshanks of eating scabbers in their third year. He hurled another rock, enjoying the burn in his shoulder. It took his mind off the thought of Hermione taking off for Greece. Ron stooped and grabbed a third rock, but he couldn't really distract himself. Couldn't she learn from somebody closer to home? Did she really need to be so far away? Didn't she remember what it had been like for seven years? Evil and war had continuously interrupted their romance since before it had even begun. And now that there was relative peace in the wizarding world, now that they could be normal and happy and together, she wanted to leave? Ron sat heavily against the tree trunk, suddenly exhausted, and began to pick at the weeds and sparse grass around him. Loss and disaster had marked everything good that had happened with Hermione since the first time they'd kissed. Ron shut his eyes, trying to remember. He had waited until the end of their fifth year. The tension between them had been almost unbearable, but both of them had been so worried about Harry and Voldemort that there had been no time to deal with their feelings for each other. Ron had mustered the courage to hold her hand a few times, usually perfectly timed with the arrival of bad news, so that it had seemed somewhat innocent. He'd even feigned a sudden interest in doing really well on his OWLs, so that he could spend as much time as possible studying with Hermione. Ron let out a short laugh, 
remembering how he'd used to try to get to the library first for study sessions in order to choose the smallest table. That way his knees might bump accidentally against hers. He remembered how flushed she'd used to get about it, and how every once in a while she'd even forgotten the answers to simple study questions. Her lost expressions had always made his heart beat faster. The evening after their last OWL exam, they had been sitting up late in the common room, engrossed in a particularly fierce game of chess. Everyone, including Harry, had gone upstairs. Hermione had been sitting across from him, hair wild over her shoulders, pursing her lips and contemplating her next move. She'd been concentrating on the board for so long that her chess pieces had begun to taunt her. Ron had rearranged himself in his chair and reached out a foot under the table to kick her softly. She had looked up at once, forehead wrinkled, but he hadn't moved his foot from where he had positioned it on top of hers. Why'd you do that? To make you hurry up. Oh, and kicking me will make me hurry up? That's excellent logic, Ron. But though her tone of voice had been cutting, she had bitten her lip and fidgeted. He had held up his hands in mock protest. Fine, take your time. I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about your pawns, that's all. Hermione had finally made a move, and it hadn't been a good one. She'd known it, too. Her face had gone quite red, and she'd adverted her eyes from him and the board as soon as she'd made it. He'd noticed, suddenly finding it difficult to breathe, that she hadn't moved her foot, either. He could have sworn that he'd been able to feel heat rising up through the soles of his shoes. Ron remembered looking down at the chessboard, and for the first time in his life, not being able to figure out anything that was going on. Several of his pieces were vying for his attention, and Hermione's pretty queen was blowing kisses at him. He looked away from it, only to find Hermione's own brown eyes watching him intently. Ron had quickly returned his gaze to the game. Hermione had done the same, making a soft tutting noise as her queen lifted her skirt to reveal a shapely pewter ankle. After a moment, Ron had all but gasped to feel the pressure of Hermione's toes nudging at his other foot. "'Are you going to make a move?' she'd asked, her voice half-joking and slightly nervous. Ron had felt a delicious chill shoot up his spine at the meaning behind her question, and he looked up to see an expression on Hermione's face that had never been there before. She hadn't been looking at the chessboard. His heart had skipped a beat. He'd nodded slowly, and then, in what he still counted as one of his braver moments in life, he had placed his hands on either side of the table. He'd pulled himself slightly out of his chair and leaned over the chessboard toward her. Hermione had blushed, but she looked at him with such an open, trusting expression that despite the fact that he'd been able to feel his heart pounding in his chest, it really hadn't been too difficult to press his lips to hers, and to his utter shock, she'd pressed right back. A movement in the lake jolted Ron back to reality, and he opened his eyes, squinting against the sunlight. That first kiss had seemed to last forever. If he could go back and repeat it, he wouldn't have let Hermione go upstairs that evening. He would have kept her on the common room sofa all night long, enjoying the feeling of holding her close and the sensation of her lips moving against his. He would have prolonged the euphoria for as long as he could. Because it hadn't lasted. Life had stepped in and interrupted. Death, rather. Hermione had gone upstairs that night, looking backward over her shoulder at him the whole way, and Ron had run up to the boy's dorm and thrown himself into his own four-poster to dream the most fantastic things he'd ever dreamt. And the next morning, 
Dumbledore had died. Ron tried to shake off the memory. He stood and paced to the sandy bank of the lake, attempting to stay focused on Hermione and the problems at hand, but as he looked out across the lake's smooth, glassy surface, it was impossible not to remember what had happened at the end of fifth year. He'd woken up with that kiss on his lips. He and Hermione had grinned stupidly at each other all through breakfast, making Harry roll his eyes, and then all three of them had gone down to the lake and stretched out on the grass to relax in the sun. Lazily, Ron had commented that the past year had been relatively uneventful, despite their extra defense against the dark arts lessons. I've got my wand, though, just in case, he joked. But he hadn't been thinking about magic. He'd been holding Hermione's hand, playing with her fingers until she'd given up trying to read the massive book that she had dragged outside. Together, the three of them had started discussing plans for a summer and ways to make Harry stay with the Dursleys as short as possible. Ron had been thinking about asking Hermione to come and stay for the whole summer. Everything had been perfect. And then a scream had disrupted the warm silence of the day. All three of them had been on their feet in an instant. Wands out, they had stood rooted to the spot as other students had run past them in the direction of the castle. Something, or things, had risen up out of the lake and towards the bank where Harry, Ron, and Hermione were standing. There had seemed to be hundreds of them, tall and dark, and seeming to glide rather than walk. Dementors. At Hogwarts. Ron had glanced anxiously over to Harry, and noted that though his friend's face was tense, his body was poised for fighting. A handful of Gryffindors who had been enjoying the afternoon sun, Angelina, Lavender, Fred and George, Ginny, and one or two students from each of the other houses had hovered nearby clutching their wands out in front of them. Expecto Patronum! Harry had been the first to act. Ron had watched with amazement as the silver form of a large stag had shot out of Harry's wand and charged toward the lake, making several Dementors recoil. Some first and second year students, who had earlier been too frightened to move, had fallen to the ground just feet from the terrible creatures, whimpering. Ron hadn't had time to think twice. He'd only tried the Patronus belt twice before in class, and both times his wand had produced little more than a fine mist. But he'd caught a glimpse of Hermione's hair out of the corner of his eye, taken a deep breath, and summoned the happiest thought he could. Expecto Patronum, he had cried, pointing his wand in the direction of a group of Dementors. They were closing in on a small boy who had been swimming and was now curled up very close to the edge of the lake. Something had shot out of Ron's wand, he had squinted in astonishment, trying to understand what he was seeing. It had appeared to be some sort of man. Ron had not been able to discern who or what exactly. Even more astonishing, his Patronus had worked. The Dementors had backed away from the boy. Hermione had run around to attempt to drive off others from another angle. Several other students had been shouting and sending an array of silver mirages out of their wands, some fully formed and others light white clouds. The Dementors had fled from the counterattack to congregate in the center of the lake. The boy who had crawled out of the water sat up on the bank, rubbing his head. Ron had recognized him as Colin Creevy's little brother, Dennis. Here comes Dumbledore, someone had shouted. Ron had swiveled to see the headmaster, flanked by Professors McGonagall and Fig, hurrying across the grounds. He had exhaled with relief certain that if Dumbledore were present, no further evil could befall the school. Most of the other students had seemed to agree, 
They'd stopped in their efforts to drive off the Dementors and had retreated to the castle. Hermione had crept up behind Ron and taken his hand. Everything had gone still again, and warm, and calm. Colin Creevy had hurried toward the lake, reaching for his brother. Then the ground had begun to shake. It had been slight at first, just a tremor, but enough to force Ron and Hermione apart, enough to cause Colin to stumble backwards and fall. The Dementors had slowly begun to glide back out toward the edges of the lake, though this time they attacked no one. This time they had seemed content to sit and wait. Why would they wait like that? Hermione had barely whispered, looking at Harry. I don't know. Harry's voice had gone hard, grim. He'd held out his wand and advanced slightly, as if already certain what he was about to see. Ron had just noticed that his own hand was shaking when a loud, terrible, shattering noise had permeated the silence. He and Hermione had barely kept their feet as the earth began to tremble more violently. Harry had been standing next to Dumbledore, who had advanced ahead of McGonagall and Fig. Meanwhile, Dennis Creevy had begun to disappear into the lake, as the earth around the water had crumbled beneath him. Dumbledore had raised his wand with a powerful cry, but the ground vibrations had suddenly increased tenfold and thrown him sideways, and the headmaster had stumbled. Dennis Creevy had slipped beneath the lake's surface. Ron had raised his wand to do something, as had Hermione and Harry, but none of them had been powerful enough to summon a living person from such a distance. Colin had screamed, scrambled to his feet, and run helplessly to the water's edge, dodging Dementors and shouting his brother's name and the trio had followed him, trying to stay on their feet, ready to jump in if they had to. And then had come the explosion. If it were possible for water to burn, Ron would have sworn that the lake water had turned into fire and rolled towards them. To his horror, Ron had seen the bodies of several merpeople rise, lifeless, to the lake's surface, where they bobbed among grimy stone chunks that must have belonged to Mer Village huts. Something in the water itself must have been exploding, knocking other, smaller life-forms clear of the water. A Grindylow had hit Harry on the shoulder. Ron had seen a shiny, pink and gray mass break apart and drift toward them, until he recognized with disgust one of the tentacles of the giant squid. The lake had then appeared to be drying up, although Ron could not say how the water was disappearing. Dumbledore had fought his way to his feet and taken aim at the evaporating water, no doubt attempting to rescue Dennis wherever he was. His fellow professors had assisted him. Harry, Ron, and Hermione had followed at his heels. But before any spell could succeed, something tall and terrible had emerged from the pit of the lake, soared forward, and landed on its feet in front of the headmaster. At once the vanished water had rushed back into its place, and Ron had heard Hermione give a fearful cry next to him as Dennis Creevy's body had surfaced among those of the merpeople. Colin had given a strangled shout. Ron had seen Professor Fig step forward and drive the Dementors away from Colin with her large cat-like Patronus. Keeping one hand on Colin's shoulder, she had sent a cord shooting from the end of her wand, which had wrapped itself around Dennis's waist and then retracted, bringing Dennis's body to shore. Ron had looked on, shaking and stricken, never having seen a person killed. He had seen Cedric's body, already dead. But just moments ago, he had seen Dennis Creevy slip beneath the waves, and he had been unable to stop it. A feeling of guilt unlike any he'd ever experienced had overtaken him, 
as he watched Colin struggle with his sobs. It's him. Harry's voice was barely audible, his breathing was ragged, and his eyes had fixed on something other than the sickening sight of Colin weeping at the water's edge. Harry had stared for a moment, then started toward Dumbledore, his wand out. Professor McGonagall had leapt forward and grabbed Harry. With a move that proved her much stronger than she looked, she had forced him behind her. High, cruel, unnatural laughter had filled the air. Ron had turned to see what Harry was watching, and for the first time in his life he had seen Lord Voldemort. His blood had run cold, and he shivered violently, unable to believe it. Harry had never described Voldemort to him, not really, but it had seemed to Ron that Voldemort was exactly as he had pictured him. Pale skin stretched flat over a snake-like skull, slitted eyes as red as blood, and long, narrow, frightening fingers playing idly on a wand that indeed looked identical to Harry's. When he had spoken, his voice had been a hiss. Dumbledore, esteemed headmaster, Voldemort had bowed. It seems that you were unable to secure your domain as well as you would have wished. Ron had instinctively moved beside Harry, who had continued struggling to be let loose from Professor McGonagall's grasp. Hermione had moved to his other side. Harry's teeth had been clenched, and he'd only been fighting McGonagall with one hand, because the other had been clutched at the red scar on his forehead. For the first time, Ron had remembered that Ginny was still outside with them. He saw her in his peripheral vision, standing a little ways behind Harry, a look of terrified determination on her face. Voldemort, however, had for once not seemed interested in Harry. A sinister smile had flitted across his face, and he had concentrated totally on Dumbledore. Ron had not been able to see Dumbledore's face, but he had been able to envision the headmaster's expression when he'd heard him say in a calm, clear tone, Welcome back, Tom. The Dark Lord had grimaced. Tom does not exist. He has been dead for many years. But I thank you for the greeting. His eyes had flickered briefly to Harry, and he had given his wand a lazy flick. Crucio. Harry had fallen to the ground between Hermione and Ron, curling up into a ball, his face contorted with pain. Professor McGonagall had dropped to her knees to repel the curse, and Ginny had rushed forward, all while Voldemort had lifted his wand once more and let out a chilling laugh. "'Harry Potter!' he had hissed. "'How like your father screams your sound!' Dumbledore had raised his wand, and Voldemort had done the same. "'But I will spare you. Yes.' You may live until I have dealt with your protector. I see that you have finally found your way in, Dumbledore had asked, his voice deadly calm. He had seemed unaware that anyone was present except for himself and Voldemort. It was surprisingly simple to extract the basic information from Igor Karkarov, foolish man. He thought that if he told me that I would welcome him back, just as you thought that sealing your lake after Dumstrang's departure would keep your school safe. Had you forgotten how much more potent my power is than your simple magic tricks? Your nobility, your refusal of real power, has been your downfall. Ron had taken that to mean that Karkarov was now dead. He couldn't say that he'd been sorry to hear it. Dumbledore had gestured slightly with his wand. Has it indeed, Tom? Are you here to challenge me to a duel? Ron had been amazed at Dumbledore's even tone. 
there had been no trace of fear or anger. The headmaster had sounded as though he had been starting up another sorting feast, instructing them all not to wander around the hallways in between lessons. His voice had been almost amused. "'Do you think,' Voldemort had spat, "'that I stopped studying and paying attention when I left Hogwarts? "'I remember with utmost clarity the day that you defeated Grindelwald. "'A sad day, indeed. "'I had just joined his followers. "'In a way, I suppose that you did me a favor. "'His death left a convenient gap for me to fill. "'I have become greater than he ever was. "'I have found the entrance to Hogwarts.' His eyes had gleamed with a terrible power, and I have not come alone. As if summoned by his words, the army of Dementors, hundreds strong, had glided from their places around the lake's shores, gathering hungrily behind Voldemort in a dark mass, focusing their hooded, faceless bodies toward the Hogwarts castle. "'They'll storm it,' Hermione had whispered beside him. "'They'll kiss everyone.' Ron had known she was right. If they had been able to bypass Dumbledore, then the Dementors would have infested the castle in seconds to feed on the joy of every student there, to feast on all of their souls. The students and teachers would never have been able to drive back so many. Voldemort had held up a long white hand, stopping the Dementors just behind him. His shiny red eyes had fallen on Dumbledore again, and narrowed. I remember the duel... I remember how you defeated Grindelwald. I will not make myself vulnerable as he was. Fight me, old man, and my army will have your school, your pupils. He had laughed softly, horribly. Then why don't you just kill me now, Tom? Dumbledore had asked quietly, tucking his wand away into his belt and waiting. Professor McGonagall had drawn a sharp breath and got to her feet. Ron's own breathing had gone harsh and ragged. Harry had crawled to his knees and stood up unsteadily. The smile that had crossed Voldemort's lips had been perhaps the most awful thing that Ron had witnessed all day. I shall, Voldemort had breathed. A moment later he had pointed his wand directly at Dumbledore's heart. Avada Kedavra! There had been a flash of terrible green light that Ron had always heard about. A pang of sick dread had thudded in his gut. Hermione had cried out, and a loud yell of disbelief had erupted from Harry. In an instant that seemed to encompass hours, Dumbledore had fallen, blank-eyed, onto the grassy slope that lined the lake, the corners of his mouth upturned slightly. Ron remembered thinking that he had looked victorious, even in death. But victory had been Voldemort's. He had followed the collapse of the headmaster's body with gleeful eyes, before looking up at Professor McGonagall and smiling coldly. "'Stand aside,' he had whispered, shifting his gaze behind her, to Harry, who had been staring with fixed horror at Dumbledore's dead body. "'Come forward, Potter.' Harry had stood dumbly for a moment, seemingly unable to process what had happened. But he had finally raised his head and stepped forward, wand out, ducking away from Ron and Hermione, from Ginny and Professor McGonagall, as if determined to take the blow alone.' Voldemort had raised his wand, and he and his Dementors had disappeared as if the ground itself had been a portkey. Ron had blinked, confused, and looked to Hermione, who was looking hopefully from side to side. "'Is this a trick?' she had whispered. "'Where are you?' Harry had demanded. 
shouting into thin air as if convinced that Voldemort still stood there before him. Show yourself! He, Mr. Potter, Professor McGonagall had been unable to speak clearly at first. Slowly, she had walked the few necessary steps to Dumbledore's body, where she dropped to her knees, placing both hands on the sleeves of his purple and silver robes. You know who is gone. How do you know he is? Harry had whirled. Where is he gone? Your headmaster had anticipated an attack. We had no idea of knowing how, but he prepared the school for the eventuality. Professor McGonagall's voice had been thick and uneven. She'd continued to choke out an explanation, her fingers tightening on Dumbledore's sleeves until her knuckles went white. In the event of his death, beside Ron, Hermione gave a small sob. Professor Dumbledore had cast a, a very powerful spell on himself. Himself! Hermione had grabbed Ron's hand. Expuli in amicus, she murmured, the expulsion curse. A person can cast it on himself in a specific area so that if he comes to harm, all his enemies will be driven instantly to the other end of the earth. Wizards and witches used to use it on themselves and their homes during the great persecutions to prevent harm to the rest of their families should they have been killed in their beds. It's very dangerous and generally backfires, but I suppose she had drawn breath and gripped Ron's hand tighter. I suppose Dumbledore could have used it on himself and Hogwarts in case something like this. Harry had looked at Professor McGonagall, his face pale, his mouth set. So his death expelled his enemies, and he knew it was going to. He asked to die so that the Dementors wouldn't have the school, so that Voldemort wouldn't have me. That's why he died, and that's where they've gone, isn't it? It hadn't been a question. Professor McGonagall's breath had caught so sharply that, this time, Ron had expected her to burst into tears. But instead, she had turned and given the three of them a sober look. Yes, Miss Granger. Expuli in amicus. In death, he has protected the school more fully than he could have done alive. He has sacrificed himself, Mr. Potter. You are quite right. The professor had shut her mouth tightly, clearly struggling with her emotions, and then somehow managed to speak in her usual authoritative tone. Prefects, please take your students to their houses. Ron and Hermione had turned numbly, but immediately to begin doing whatever they could to help. Harry had stood stock still. Miss Johnson, please attend to Mr. Creevy. Take him to the hospital wing. Be respectful of his brother's body. Angelina had gone to Colin at once. Colin's chin had trembled violently, but he had risen to his feet, and together they had begun the work of floating Dennis's body toward the school. Arabella, if you would help me. Professor McGonagall's steady voice had begun to fail. I must get him inside. I must seal the entrance in the lake, and this time we will use whatever means necessary. Please find Severus. Ask him to come here. But before taking her instructions, Professor Fig had gone to Professor McGonagall and put a hand on her comrade's shoulder, tears shining in her eyes. We have lost him, Minerva, she had said softly. We have lost him. Professor McGonagall had crumpled. It had been unreal, unbelievable, 
Dumbledore had seemed invincible. Ron could hardly remember anything about the rest of that night. There were flashes of Colin Creevy returning to the dormitories to pack his things and leave Hogwarts forever. Hazy memories of Ginny sitting in the chair beside Harry's, both of them staring dully into the fire. Ron came to his senses and looked at his feet, away from the lake. He felt unpleasantly warm and extremely dizzy. The mere memory of that day was still a trauma for him. So much death in one place. They'd gone home for the summer, and it had been months before he'd had another normal moment with Hermione, and that was just before her parents had been attacked. And then, the following Christmas, he himself had been kidnapped. And now she was going to run off and study where he couldn't follow. It never ended. He bent down, grabbed another stone, and hurled it angrily into the water. "'You need to stay here with me,' he muttered fiercely, saying to the empty air what he had wanted to say earlier. "'All that shit is over, Hermione. We've been through enough. I want it over, and I want you here, and you don't have to leave, so you ought to stay.' "'I'm not staying.' Ron wheeled around, heart hammering. Hermione stood right behind him, her eyes bloodshot, but her expression calm. Ron's first instinct was to take her into his arms and comfort her, then destroy whatever had made her cry. Just as quickly, he remembered that she had most likely been crying because of him, or rather, because of her own decision. She was the one who wanted to leave. If she was crying, she only had herself to blame for it. "'I'm not staying,' she repeated, taking another step toward him. "'But I'll be back. It's only for four months.' It's just like the summer holidays. We haven't been apart for the last two summer holidays. Even more reason why this shouldn't be a problem. Ron didn't care if that was true. They had done almost everything together for years, along with Harry. Ron thought it might help to mention that. What about Harry? Hermione looked taken aback. What about him? He's not doing too well right now, if you haven't noticed. It's not exactly the best time for you to go gallivanting all over the world. Ron cringed inwardly as the words came out of his mouth. His mother had said the same thing to Bill, he remembered, when Bill had left for Egypt. The look on Hermione's face was a good indication to Ron that he'd probably said the wrong thing. She threw up her arms in exasperation. Harry is doing just fine. Maybe you haven't noticed. Anyway, he already knows that I want to do this, and he's glad for me. You told Harry before you told me? Ron felt an irrational stab of jealousy. Brilliant. Bloody brilliant. Why don't you just make him your boyfriend instead, since he's so understanding? Hermione covered her mouth with her hand and let out a small laugh. This infuriated Ron even more. He couldn't find anything funny about this situation. It's not like I'm leaving forever, Ron, she finally managed. It's not even a very long time. Four months isn't a long time? Well, thanks a lot. Now I know what you think of me. They stared at each other intensely for a few moments, and then Hermione whispered in a voice that sounded unusually high-pitched and quiet, Ron, you do know how I feel about you, don't you? He shrugged. Hermione took a step forward so that she was standing a foot away from him. She reached up and uncrossed his arms, grabbing one of his hands in each of hers. He didn't resist, but he looked stubbornly off to the right, trying to appear very interested in the foliage of a nearby oak. 
Ron, look at me. He turned his head slowly until their eyes locked, and his breath caught in his throat as her eyes connected with his. This was all he wanted, her, standing here with him, looking up at him like this, her hands in his, and he wasn't going to have it. I love you, she blurted. Several tears escaped her eyes and rolled down her cheeks. Why can't that be enough? Why can't you just let me do this? I'm here until the day after Lavender's wedding, so we have a week together, and then I'll be back in December. I'll come back, and we'll be fine. Ron felt his ears turn red at her words. They didn't say they loved each other very often, although it was understood every time they looked at each other. He wanted to say that he loved her, too, but that wasn't what came out of his mouth. I'm sure that's what Percy thought when he decided to come home, and it didn't exactly turn out fine for him, did it? Hermione glared at him through her tears. I can't change who I am, or what I want, or what my parents are going through. You know me. You know I'd be miserable if I didn't do this. Don't you care about any of that? Yeah, said Ron vaguely. Listen, said Hermione firmly. Do you want to spend this last week fighting? I'm going to go, but I'm going to feel terrible the whole time if I know that you're unhappy. Is that what you want for me? Ron shrugged again. Part of him did want her to spend those four months being miserable. A corner of his mind, however, was already filled with admiration for Hermione and what she wanted to do. It was pretty brave, really, leaving England in search of some woman hidden away on an island. Hermione was very determined, and, he realized, very loyal. She hadn't given up hope of curing her parents, even when the staff at St. Mungo's told her that it was hopeless. He was already starting to feel like a prat for not being more supportive. Still, he wasn't quite finished. "'You should have told me first. You should have told me more than a week before you're leaving,' he said in a rush. She opened her mouth to reply. "'No. I've got to go get ready for work,' he finished, cutting off whatever she'd been about to say. Hermione swallowed, and her bottom lip disappeared into her mouth, as if she would start to cry again. But she didn't. "'Fine,' she whispered. "'Go on.' Ron walked past her, back toward the house, but he couldn't bring himself to leave without another, kinder word. "'Stop by later?' he asked hopefully, turning back. "'I'm closing up early tonight.' Hermione remained with her back to him, looking out at the lake. "'I don't think so,' she answered quietly. "'I've got some reading to do, and some maps to study.' "'Right. Ron knew that he was supposed to say something here, something warm and encouraging. He couldn't think of anything. Briefly, he wondered if Hermione knew where to find that time-turner she'd used in her third year. Then again, he didn't know what he'd change if he could go back a few hours.' "'Coming back to the house, at least?' he asked, holding out his hand. Hermione didn't turn. "'No,' she said. "'I'll be up a bit later. I think I want to be alone.' Ron stood watching her for a few more minutes. She wanted to be alone, and she wanted to go away. In a week. Feeling entirely helpless, Ron finally turned and began to slowly walk toward Lupin Lodge.' 